Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman, and I am your host. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, then this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry, and really walk through their story of how they've gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we introduce today's guest and dive into the episode, just wanted to go ahead and uh, reiterate my main goal here, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level. So if you've not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast and share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague. And if you're really feeling special, leave a review of Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think. Huge shout out to those who have done this already. Uh, Very helpful. Uh, Really enjoyed the feedback and also love that uh, you guys are sharing the the podcast as well. It's been great to get random uh, LinkedIn messages as well as Instagram messages, just some random people I don't know about the podcast. So really appreciate you guys helping to share the vision. Now, on to today's guest. I'm sitting down with Marcus Chan, who is the founder of Vinley Consulting Group, which is really a business that specializes in helping sales professionals and sales leaders, uh, really just helping them reach a next level in their sales volume. Uh, Marcus really has a story of, of building something from nothing. He, he's gone through a lot of different things and basically ground up uh, development with his success. So I'm super excited to dive into his story. Um, he's probably one of the best sales trainers that I've seen out there. Uh, I personally am in sales. So hearing his advice on this episode is something that I'm super excited to dive into. I've been following him on LinkedIn for, for about a few months now. And literally that has drastically changed my sales career so far, uh, based on just a few months of following him. So I'm super excited to dive into Marcus's story. Like I said, he really built his success from the ground up, um, going through a lot of different adversities, failures along the way. So he's going to definitely bring a lot of lessons to the table. But before we dive into this episode, I want to go ahead and say that as we like to go over and say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Marcus, thanks for hopping on the Next Level Minds podcast. Really appreciate it. Chris, it's my absolute pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Man, this is a blast. I feel like I know you so well because we've been following uh, each other on LinkedIn for like three months or something and everything. So I know. it's and What's cool is, is now that we're actually talking to her live, you are that same person, right? Sometimes you get catfished a little bit, you know, but hey. I'm the same guy. I'm not wearing a suit, but I'm that same bald guy still. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Is that is that your trademark that you have or what? You know, what's really funny is like, um, so once, once I started getting active on LinkedIn, this is like, I don't know, 18, 19 months ago when I started my business, uh, before like I was in corporate America, I actually had like ad, ad hair. I like styled hair, but I had like shaved it that some and I hadn't like gotten a new updated headshot. So like, Initially, people saw this headshot of me wearing wearing that, and then after a while, like, then I, like, I was sending a video message. They're like, 
oh, wow, you look different. I'm like, I'm catfishing people. So I had to take a new headshot, change that. But now, like, everyone's used to it. So every now and then I'll post a picture on LinkedIn where I used to have hair. People are like, whoa, you had hair? I'm like, yeah, of course I have hair. Like, that's how I looked for years. Yeah. It's pretty funny, though. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. No, that's funny. So you would, like, send the video message and then people would be like, what the heck? This doesn't look anything like you type of thing. <laughs> They're like, who are you? I'm like, no, I promise you. I'm the same dude. I'm the same dude. So, you know, eliminate that by just making sure the headshot actually matches what I look like now. Yeah. That's one thing that bugs me is like when people's LinkedIn headshot doesn't match up to who they actually are. Um, Because I used to do like in-person meetings and you know how it is. Like you're trying to find the person you're meeting with for the first time. And then you'd be like looking at your phone doing this number and you're like, wait a second. This doesn't look anything like this individual. Like it's been a... Maybe a 10-year difference since each other's <laughs> photos taken, you know? Well, let's change, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is the corporate America stress, right? Totally, totally. It's exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. Nice, man. Well, I want to touch on your background a little bit. So I know uh, in your in your LinkedIn kind of summary, you mentioned you were you know born to two uh, Chinese immigrant parents. And obviously, like, how did that kind of shape your upbringing to, to where you are today and everything? Yeah, it was massive, especially early on growing up in that type of environment. So my parents, when they came to America, they really had nothing. So we were very, we lived in a very, very small house. Um, we got to see, you know, there was times we were about, you know, going hungry. We worried about money. So growing up, especially at an early age, I grew up with a lot of fear, a lot mm-hmm. of fear. I got to see it. And my parents were really transparent to be able to show us, you know, what it's like. So whether we had a rough day, a rough week, or if something happened, I got to experience it firsthand. Like I remember literally, you know, even early on, like I remember like my dad would come home and say, oh, you know what? Um, this guy came in, he held up, held us up with a knife, a knife point and robbed us today. I'm like, that's, <laughs> as a kid, I'm, I mean, I'm five years old. I'm like, that's wow, that's scary, right? Or, you know, like, I remember another situation. I remember I was a little bit older, seven years old, and walking in on a Saturday morning with my parents, and someone had broken in overnight. We didn't have an alarm on the restaurant. They smashed they smashed the glass door, broke in, stole alcohol, stole money, trashed the whole place. They're probably just you know you know just drug addicts or whatever. Trashed the whole place, and I'm freaking out. So early on, I got a lot of exposure to these type of things. Mm. And what was really interesting is number one, it makes make, made me grow up a lot faster. But then number two, I also got to learn to see how my parents dealt with it, mm. and that was really really important for my own development because I remember even that example of someone breaking in. I'm really worried. I'm thinking we're going to be homeless now. We're going to shut the restaurant down. I don't you know I don't know what's going to happen. I'm a kid. I don't know what's going to happen next. And I look at my dad, and my dad's like cool, calm, and collected. He's like, okay, you know what? We're going to clean up the glass. We're going to board the door up, and we're going to obviously call the cops, but we got to open the restaurant and just keep going. And I was like, wow. I mean, and when you see – when you see like life being – life throwing all types of obstacles and problems your way and seeing my parents just take the problem, either, you know, deal with it head on, go find a way through it or over it. You start learning. Hey, you know what? Hmm. This is how life really is. Hmm. And I saw that even as they, as they continue to have more success uh, over time, they, maybe they, they start getting rental properties. And we had issues with tenants. Yes, they were stressed, but they dealt with it. Hmm. And that was really powerful for me to see and to really ingrain to myself that by me throwing obstacles, there's always a way through or around it. And hmm. that was definitely key growing up. 
uh, on top of that, you start you, because you get to see these things, you naturally start to learn how to delay self gratification. Mm. So, like you know, like growing up as a kid, you want certain thing. I want this toy. I want this. You know, you know, my friends have whatever. And I want that too. Now you start learning. Hey, if I want to get the, the newest CD at the time that was coming out, you know, like my parents don't have money for that, so I have to save my own money up for that. Okay, so I had to delay self gratification before I got to get that result, and that I didn't realize at the time, but that was really powerful. As a kid, as a kid, you hate it, but mm-hmm. as an adult, you realize, wow, that taught me a lot of lessons, especially going into say sales, mm-hmm. and sales is all about delayed self delayed self gratification where. You might have to do a lot of work, top of the funnel work, you know, driving pipeline, and you may not see anything for a while or see nothing for a long time. And all, only over time are you going to look at the results. So those are just some of the main lessons I've learned growing up, but it was invaluable because they, they really sort of instill key values that help me be able to push through. And I think not just become better at in my career, but just be better at life by experiencing some of those things. Mm. That that's an incredible background and like it's crazy that you were saw all that as a kid. I mean, I can't imagine even seeing that as an adult and everything. Um so so what would you suggest like advice-wise out there? I mean, it sounds like your parents kind of got like knocked down a few times just with the break-ins and everything with the restaurants. So like what would be some advice out there just to maybe to, to individuals out there that have had a failure or kind of like got kicked in the mouth if you will it, it, with life and stuff? First off, um, it may be hard to accept it, but accept it as a great opportunity. Hmm. And when you when you think about this, um, this is for across the board. Usually, when we are hit with the biggest problems or whatever, the up there's going to be upside on the, along the way. There's something good that's coming along the way. You just you may not see it yet because you're you're deep into it, right? So, for example, you know if you have a family member pass away. That's incredibly tragic. You know, it's happened to me and it's happened to many people out there. It's so hard to deal with, especially in the moment. But after you go through it and you learn how to process those emotions, there could be true greatness that comes from it. So maybe, mm-hmm. for example, it may not be necessarily something tangible, but maybe now you learn how to truly process and deal with grief. Mm-hmm. So now if you have a friend who's dealing with something similar, you could help them through that as well. So then that's the way you should really think about because problems are a part of life. The only time we do not have problems is when we are dead. So when you have problems, it means you're alive. That's just, that's a, even, you know, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, they have different problems they deal with, right? And I find the more you level up, the more problems you deal with at a larger scale. And mm. You, the, you, the way you are able to overcome the problems determines your quality of life. Like you're always going to have problems. Nothing will ever be perfect. And the mistake some people make is they think once I achieve this, once I accomplish this, I'll be happy. Mm. That's just not true. Mm. It's, ne- it's never true. It's never true. It, what happens is as you continue to level up and you achieve certain things, you just get to, you deal with different problems. Like I think mm. about the problems I deal with now, they're very different than when I dealt with as a kid. Like now I think about problems like, man, like my toddler is four years old. He's grown up in a very different environment. How can I instill some of these key values that I learned growing up because of the environment I was in? Mm. I don't want him to grow up, you know, being spoiled or entitled. How can I train him, if you will, brainwash him and teach him things? So now different problems to worry about, right? But it's yeah. it's a result of having better problems to deal with. But that's that's life. Yeah. I thought it's interesting you mentioned uh, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk because, you know, you look at those individuals and you're like, you know, these are the richest guys in the world. Like, that would be great to be them. I would have no problems. But it's like, 
you're always going to have problems no matter what phase of life right. you go to. That's right. That's right. Like you think about someone like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, lawsuits are against them right now. Mm-hmm. Probably just like dozens of hundreds of lawsuits, yeah. right? Way different problems. You know, like they're out in public. They're probably always worried about people like, like you know, they're, they're one of the wealthiest people in the world. They're probably, they probably have trust issues. Yeah. Who can they trust? Who's actually truly going to be close to them they can rely on or who's out there for the money? So now they have very different problems to worry about as a result of their success. Mm. You, you also mentioned something too about like uh, kind of just like delaying the happiness of like when I get here, I'll be happy. But then you also mentioned in your story like delayed gratification. So is there kind of like a mm-hmm. difference between delayed gratification and then putting off happiness? Yeah, so I won't say it's not so putting off happiness, but it's more so, um, you know, it's 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 not necessarily expecting a reward, an mm. immediate reward based off everything that you do. Because I believe you can find if you can learn to really love the journey and love the process, you can be really, really happy. Like I have a lot of really big goals that I have not accomplished, but I have a really happy life. I'm really happy. I love what I do. I have a fantastic family. They're as tough days just like anything else, but I also enjoy the process. Mm. And I think about even when I started my business, when I was just, you know, just getting it running, you know, I hadn't achieved the things I've already accomplished for my business. And that was scary. It was hard, but I was really learning to enjoy that process as well. And mm. I find when you when you pick up something new, you choose you're gonna go towards something. Learning to really embrace and internalize the process is so vital. This is actually why every single day I still do a daily gratitude list because mm. it helps me reflect on the day. Uh, what can I really learn from the day? Uh, every single month or every single week, I also reflect on what decisions I make this week that's going to impact the future. On a monthly mm. basis, I, I even write down and reflect what went really well, what could be better. So these are things that helps me really learn to love the process and to recognize a process, even when there may not be the tangible result quite yet. And that's so key. I think I think about especially when I started, first started the business, you know, I'm like, oh my, if only I could achieve X, Y, and Z, and I'm not there yet. It's so easy to get down on yourself and be like, oh, is, is, this, is this for me? Should I, should I go back to corporate America? Can I do it? And th- all those thoughts came into my head for sure. Mm. Teaching myself to have a systematic way to really learn to love the process and, and even with that, and I know that, I still have to train myself to do it regardless. By doing that, it helped me reframe my mind and stay focused for the longer term. Mm. Yeah, that. so would you say, and I think like when you're starting a business, it's so hard to be like, I've moving the needle forward because it feels like it's like three steps forward, one step back type of thing sometimes, or sorry, three steps back, one step forward sometimes. So. <laughs> Would you yeah. say would you say like the best way to kind of monitor the progress is by doing those weekly reviews and monthly reviews and stuff? Totally. So um I I'm a bit of a geek, okay? So <laughs> I think it's really key that you have a way to control like, to take a look at your day and like what what did I do today that moved the needle? Mm. So, you know, for me, especially early on, um I, I I was why I am and was wildly clear on exactly what's going to move the needle. And for example, in sales, I talk a lot about how you need to have what I call IPAs, income producing activities. Like, and over eighty percent of your week should be income producing activities. 
right? I know it's a great beer too, IPA. But <laughs> yeah, you got, you got, you got have, yeah, it's good. I know it's good. So you have, to be, you have to be consistent, right? So every single day, did you do the right IPAs every day? For the business, same thing. Am I doing things that have the right IPAs every single day? Things are going to move the needle, right? And whether it's sales or a business early on, either you are building pipeline, moving deals in a pipeline, or you're serving clients. That's mm. really it. Those are my big three, right? So every single day I should be doing those things. But then you can actually tie the metrics to them. Example, like one of the things that I was looking at early on was I was looking at how much reach would one of my posts get. And I'd measure that. Because reach allowed me to, to, to talk to more people, right? How many people I get into my funnel today? Again, I can control the top of funnel work. What was my conversions for the day? So knowing every single part of my sales funnel for my business allowed me to measure and make refinements. And it's, it's what it's back loop. And when you have the feedback loop, which we have in everything in life, which is you do something, you get some sort of feedback. You analyze the feedback, and you either continue the action or do something different based off the feedback, and then you get another result. And you, mm -hmm. you rinse and repeat. And that's across the board. So for example, if I was on if I went and I uh, prospected a, a high-profile podcast that had millions of downloads a day or something crazy like that, right? And by getting on there, that led to, you know, $1,000 in revenue. Hmm, I should get on more podcasts. Yeah. And now every single day, I should be prospecting podcasts, right? So you start seeing a feedback loop. And, that's, and for me, even though you may not see the revenue ASAP, what are those specific activities that are IPAs? Mm. So whether, whether or not we are hitting the specific end result we're looking for, are we doing things that are going to move the needle? Like we may not have a six pack right now, but do we keep a low calorie count and work out daily? May yeah. not see it now, but you will see it as long as you maintain it. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think that's such a good way to put it of just income producing activities. Because I think in life right. you can just get struggled of, you're like, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, but I'm not making any progress. But then if right. you peel back the onion, you're like, well, only 40% of my daily tasks are actually moving the needle forward and everything. That's right. That's right. There's a huge difference between being busy versus being productive. Mm. You know, the most successful people in the world understand that. And they also understand that time is infinitely more valuable than money. Mm. So when they understand that, they are focused on maximizing their time and making sure they're productive, but also are they doing things that also make their time more valuable? When mm. you make your time more valuable, now you're increasing your worth even more. So you have even more time to have that you can leverage to make yourself more money. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's something that I'm realizing a lot too is just how valuable time is at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And never get it back. I mean, yeah. I've heard the saying, time is money. Everyone says time is I totally disagree with that. Time is definitely not money. Like the reality is I remember having no money. I remember spending all my money, but I got more money. Yeah. It gets more money. Time, you don't get it back. You don't get it back. So as a result, time is infinitely more valuable than money. Yeah. So what that means is we need to do as much we need to do as much as possible to get as much time back for ourselves. So we need to buy back our time, right? And that can be from outsourcing different things, you know, mm -hmm. or we find ways to increase the value of our time. So that when that's increasing your skills, your competency, so people will pay you more for that time. Mm, gotcha. And that comes, you can pay more for someone's time when that person obviously develops their skill sets and everything more as well. A 100%, 100%. So, you know, I talked to some people say, well, 
you know, I don't know if I could charge, uh, you know, I, I, right now I get paid, you know, 30 to $50 an hour and I want to be worth a hundred dollars an hour. Well, for sure. If you think that cool, but how are you going to get there? How will you increase your value to a hundred dollars an hour? Like you can't just sit around and hope experience does it. Yeah. That's not going to do it, right? But what can you do to increase your skill? So for example, maybe like, you know, I, I see a lot of sales, sales people like, oh, you know, I'm just going to work harder. Well, well, okay, yeah, you could do that. Or can you improve your sales skills? Mm. Hmm. Or maybe if you're not good at, say, speaking, like I used mm. to have a speech impediment. I didn't start speaking until I was four years old. Could you hire a speaking coach, which is going to help you become a better communicator, which now you'll make more money because you're better at your craft. You're better at communicating. Mm. Across, we started thinking this way. You're like, hmm, yeah. how can I myself? You know, if maybe you're not confident because you're out of shape, hmm, well, can you get a personal trainer? Personal trainer, can you invest in maybe a nutritionist, eat healthy, organic, whatever, and now you physically look better, you feel better, so now you're more confident at your job. So now you'll sell more or you'll be better at your job. You'll be a better HR professional, executive, whatever you are. Yeah. So it's always controllable when you think about it that way. Yeah. That's crazy. Like you had a speech impediment because when I first watched your videos, I was like, man, this guy is so well-spoken. Like I had no idea. Yeah. I went through speech therapy for you. It still wow. kicks in. So huh. what happens is like I process things like mentally, like I think pretty fast, so yeah. I talk fast. So I have to, I have to mentally slow down to talk, hmm. and it still kicks in. Like I'll get excited, um, or if I get like if I if I get like a canker sore on my tongue, and I'm trying to talk, I'm like, oh, 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 oh. I'm, like I'm trying to say <laughs> yeah. stuff. Like what did you say? I'm like, ah, why that? Hold on, hold on, hold on. But uh, for years, so I actually didn't start speaking until I was four years old. Wow. My parents actually thought I was a special needs child. And, uh, and then I started, I started speaking, and then I had a speech impediment. So I went to speech therapy for years in which, you know, we had to focus on speaking. And it's still, for me, it's still a work of progress. Like, I still, like, I'll watch certain videos. I'm like, wow, I need to slow, I need to slow down. I need, more I need to be more conscious. Of if a word has too many syllables, it increases my chances of messing up, too. So I know that, too. <laughs> wow, wow. Huh. Uh, going back yeah. to the self-awareness, though, that's good that you know that, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, so people have told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fe the feedback loop, right? Yeah, yeah, so, the feedback um, loop. That's right. Yeah. You were talking about corporate America, um, and I know. I mean, you have like miles of highlights, obviously, through your experiences uh, in sales and everything. But I guess before those, I also saw that you know you were like the worst rep at, at one point, and then kind of slowly worked your way up to you know, President's Club winning multiple awards. So like, I mean, what was that kind of journey look like in your sales career? Scary and hard, first off. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, I remember, uh, first off, my parents didn't want me to go to sales. That was the hmm. first thing because I'm clearly Asian if you're watching this video and my parents are immigrants. So they expected me to go through a path they thought was more prestigious, be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, something like that. So when I graduated, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was really fortunate where I was able to actually get five job offers on the table at the time. And they ranged from a 29500 base salary up to a 60K base salary. And they were a mixture of different roles from B2B sales all the way through like an analyst role, you know, working in banks, et cetera. So I went for the lowest paying 8500 because it was in B2B sales. But it wasn't, I wasn't choosing because of, it was a B2B sales role. I just saw the opportunity to learn and grow how to build a business. Mm. 
and it was a startup division of a major company. So when I started, and I've always been a hard worker, it's like mm-hmm. because growing up, I, I always worked hard. So I was able to have decent success by just working hard. I'm like, you know what? Sales people just work hard, right? Like I heard it's a numbers game. I'm just gonna get started. I'm gonna work really hard. I'll, I'm gonna do the most work. My parents were very much against it, but I did it anyways. Went to go. I remember I was absolutely awful when I started. Absolutely, mm-hmm. the absolute worst. Like I was like, I remember the first day. Uh, my boss said, "Hey, Marcus, why don't you go knock on doors by foot?" And uh, he said, "I'm like, how many businesses?" He said, "Go talk to 30 businesses." I went to 60 businesses that day. I closed zero deals, booked zero appointments, generated zero interest. I'm like, oh man, okay, I, I'm just gonna try again tomorrow. Next day, I go out again. I walk into another 60 different businesses, over 60 different businesses. So in two days, over 120 different businesses, wow. generate zero interest, close zero deals, book zero appointments, and I'm like, I'm freaking out now. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, there's something wrong with me. Like I, I don't know what's going on. Two days after the next two days, I, I went to my boss and what should I do next? He said, start calling all of them. So the next two days, I called each of those numbers like multiple times to try to book appointments. Again, book zero appointments. So at that point, it was like, I was like, oh no, week one is like, this is not good. My parents are totally right. I'm not cut out for this. I was second guessing myself. Hmm. And I was also very worried I get fired. I'm like, I've never failed before. Like I've always at least done at least got at least a B in school. Like I've always at least tried and been okay. And I'm busting my butt. I'm outworking everyone. I had no idea why I was just not having results. And I remember uh, that weekend, um, I was complaining to my girlfriend. I was blaming everything on the world. And um, she said, well, Marcus, you've always been pretty studious. Why don't you get some sales books? I'm like, I guess that makes sense. Went to the library, got some sales books, every single sales book I can get at the time. And I started reading voraciously, trying these things for the mm. next several weeks. Again, no success. For weeks, little weeks, I was I was outworking everyone, making the most cold calls, walking up business, sending the most cold emails, literally closing nothing. We're like closing deals. I was like, there's something wrong with me. Like mm. I'm just like, I, I grew up working in a restaurant. I should go back, go back to service or operations. That's just what I'm made for. I'm just I'm not a salesperson. I can't I can't do this. I can't do this. And I remember um, during my journey of trying to figure myself out. One of the books I just happened to come across because it, it went from like sales books to you know like you know like uh, Zig Ziglar to Brian Tracy then to Jim Rohn, hmm. Tony Robbins, and I remember I got the book "Awaken the Giant Within" by Tony Robbins, and in that book he says if you don't like the answer, ask a better question, and that was a major aha to me because I realized at that point. I've been asking myself really bad questions. I've been creating a negative mind space. So for example, really bad cold call, I get shut down, someone pulls a gun on me, which has happened, a dog bites me on a cold call, whatever, all these things have happened. I'll be like, oh man, what's wrong with them? They're, they're, they're stupid, they're terrible, they're awful, what's wrong with them? You know, Why do they hate me, whatever? And I realized that those were disempowering questions. Mm. So I started asking myself better questions, like, okay, what can I learn from this? Mm. What can I do better? What can I do on the front end to increase my chances of back end you know, a win rate? How can I increase my win rate on the front end? What can I do instead? What can I say differently? When you start asking yourself questions like this, you start you start seeking solutions versus problems. And this is the beginning. This is where I started start learning these type of things. And I realized at that point, it wasn't immediate, but I started getting better results, right? Over time, I realized when you work hard at your job, you make a living. But when you work hard on yourself, you make a fortune. I became obsessed 
literally obsessed with investing myself. Mm. Like literally, I would I read every single personal development book, uh, the audiobooks, the physical books. I read, um, I didn't have the money at the time, but I went to a Tony Robbins conference. I started just like obsessing about success, mm. and I stopped focusing on sales. I focused on being the best version of me, mm. and as a result of that, I started getting better results. And it started to compound over time. And the thing here was really interesting is I didn't realize at the time. And fast forward a few years later, and because at the time, you know, when you when you graduate college, your your buddies, you're all at the same, like kind of same playing field, if you will. Yeah. But what you do over the next five to ten years depends on who's gonna go up, who's gonna kind of stay stagnant. Hmm. And fast forward a few years, and I started. I don't say I started losing friends, but I started having a tighter circle because we stopped connecting as well. Hmm. And I started continue to, I continue to, to compound these habits every single day, nonstop, of being the best version of me. And fast forward, at this point, um, I remember this is like 2011. I was like, I was having, I had a lot of success at that point. I'm like, I, I got my, you know, I got my MBA, I had worked full time, built these hmm. multi seven figure operations, I had gotten married, bought my first house. I feel like I'm doing pretty good for a 25-year-old. Like, life's pretty good. You know, build a great net worth. I'm like, all right, life's pretty good. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe I got lucky. Mm. Maybe I got lucky. Let me let me go ahead. Let me let me try this as a different company. Can I do it again? Like, I need a bigger challenge. Like, I, I, mean, I feel like I'm a big fish in a little pond. Like, can I do it again or I make it lucky? So I made a jump, a calculated jump, a calculated risk, made the jump, went to a different company. You know, I was scared. I was super, super scared. I'm like, oh man, like this could, this could be a do or die moment. Uh, I was really fortunate. Had success there. Got promoted very, very quickly as well. And then fast forward till about 2015. So at this point now, I've been officially graduated 2007. So eight years after I graduated, I'm like, huh, this is not a fluke. <laughs> and people started asking me questions. They started saying, hey, Marcus, at this point now, you've been promoted 10 times in eight years. Wow. Like how did you how did you do that, or nine times in eight years? Like like how did you do that? Like I'm like well you know and I, and I was reporting another promotion again. I'm like well you know like I was doing these things and people kept saying Marcus you need to write a book, you need to write a book right you know you need to write a book you know from the slums to six figures like you, you have literally like changed your life. How did you do it? And I'm like oh, I guess I, I probably should. So at that point I started to learn about how to write a book. Hmm. But I'm like you know what I'm gonna write an ebook first. So I started looking online, learn how to write an ebook, but also how to online. I'm like, mm. how to automate that. And I remember just writing this book and just seeing what happens. And I woke up and I made $9 overnight. And it was the, the most, it was the most amazing thing to me because I'm like, I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> and that was incredible. I'm like, I woke up, I mean, $9 is nothing, but I'm like, but some strangers paid me $9. That's yeah. the weirdest thing. So, that's when I had this realization. I'm like, people are willing to pay me for my knowledge because who I become, mm. right? So, and I share that with you because it wasn't an overnight thing that suddenly had success. It was like, it was uh, compounding and I didn't realize. It, it's, it's, it's as if when you are with your, you know, you know, with any cousins or nieces, nieces or, you know, younger brother and sister, if you see them every day, you don't see how much they grow, how tall mm. they get. You don't see them for a year. You're like, wow, you grew like a foot. And that's how it felt, but it was over like an eight-year time when I truly realized it. So it was definitely, it, it was like it was like little by little, I was growing and becoming a better version of me. And I'm still growing today, every hmm. single day. Yeah, man, that is like, 
so much to unpack that I could just elaborate on <laughs> all of those points. Um, but I think the biggest one that I think the listeners and myself can get value from is you took the time to invest in yourself. And then yeah. that's probably when you saw the most dividends down the road. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you get – personal development is the, the, the greatest gift to yourself because you are investing into new knowledge experiences. And, you know, they say there's no real shortcuts in life. I believe that actually there are shortcuts in which, you know, when you are trying to acquire skills and experience – there's really two ways to acquire that type of knowledge. Number one, you do trial and error. That costs you time. We talked about time already. Yeah. Or number two, you pay to acquire it. And that could be anything from you know books, courses, seminars, coaches, whatever, but pay to acquire. And if you pay to acquire, now you at least know the, the, the blueprint to follow. If you follow a blueprint, your chances of success go up drastically. It's, it's, for example, if I want to get really fast at running a mile, I can either just try on my own, just try to work really hard, or I can find someone who can run a 330 mile. And I'm going to hang out with them and pay them to, to teach me what should I do for the next 60 days. Yeah. <laughs> and now my chances of success are going to go up so much faster. That's what happens. Yeah. And like you touched on an interesting point there. It's like, I want to find someone that got this mile time. And we live in an in information era where it's like, if you don't learn how to do something, right. YouTube it, go on Instagram, LinkedIn. I mean, That's I've right. learned so much from following you for three months and everything. So I, I think there should be no excuse to, to go out there and learn. Yeah. So I find in today's world, they have information overload. Yeah. Right. That, that it's just, there's so much out there. Like, who do you follow? Who do you listen to? And um, I would say for those out there who are like, okay, well, that sounds cool. Yeah. It's easy to find, but what should I do? Well, number one, be very careful who you take advice from. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a firm believer, only take advice from people who have achieved what you already want to achieve consistently. Like, not a one-hit wonder, you know, but someone who's consistently just winning, right? And then from there, you can take their advice. Uh, understand that it's it's not just the right knowledge, it's the right knowledge coupled consistent daily actions and habits hmm. that are going to lead to the result. You know, it's not that you pay, uh, you know, Tiger Woods to learn how to golf for an hour and tell them you're, you're great, you take that knowledge from Tiger Woods, and now you go on the golf course every day and you practice what he taught you. <laughs> like, yeah. That's how you become great. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even bring up golf. I'm trying to learn it, and it's just not working well. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a terrible golfer. I'm not invested into enough to, to, get, to get good at it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like I, I've been fortunate, um, really put, like, health on a pedestal this year and, like, have seen results there. But I'm like, with the golf, it's just the results are just not coming in, but it's because I'm not consistent with it. So that's it. That's it. Yeah. So you're in corporate America for 14 years, and then you got the ebook. And then obviously, people are asking you, like, so how did you do this? Is that when you started uh, Vin Lee Consulting? Yeah. So what's really interesting is so um, first it was the ebook, and I was just selling that on Mac, which I think that's kind of neat. I remember I created my first Instagram business page at the time. It was like 2015. was kind of selling. It wasn't a lot of money. Maybe a couple hundred bucks a month. Nothing. I mean, and at that point, it's like, you know, I'm making, you know, well into, you know, figures. I'm like, there's there's no way I can quit my corporate job for a $9 ebook. You can't really, I mean, maybe you could. But you need a lot of traffic there to get to that point. So yeah. um, at that point, I started to really pay attention to what were people asking me questions about. Like, I'm like, what could I do? What could I monetize? How can I help more people make a bigger impact? Because 
after a while, I was not to say I wasn't challenged like corporate America. That was time success. It was tough days or anything, just like anything else. But you get to the point where I'm like, this is almost running on autopilot, right? And in order for me to level up even more, do I need to get out of the pond again? Am I too big for this pond? Hmm. Right? How can I really serve more people and do more? You know, because even though I had a big organization, I had 110 plus employees, and it was really cool helping develop them. And because of my of my what I achieved at a company in such a short time, I had a pretty good reputation. And a lot of people were coming to me. Like I was mentoring, all, I mentored like all these people as well. I'm like, okay, I'm like, but I wanted to do more. So I started looking online, and I was I started obsessing about internet marketing at that point. Like I'm like I'm like this is amazing. This nine dollar ebook is like this is like this is wild. Like what else can I what else can I do to have a bigger impact to help more people? And at that time, online courses weren't as big as they are today. Now everyone and their mother has an online course. All right, most are crappy, but they, at least everyone's got something, right? Yeah. I'm like okay, so I'm like I'm like an online course sounds sounds pretty pretty neat, but what could I create it on? So I started paying very close attention to what people were asking me questions about. And I found the most common questions were very basic, what I thought was basic B2B sales questions, business, business sales questions. So I'm like, hmm, you know what? I should build something that's step-by-step that I could just give to past Marcus when he started in sales. If, if, I, if he had this solution, it would have solved all his problems. Mm. And for I'm like, hmm, that's what I need to build. So it took me two years. I was traveling. I was still traveling. Like I was in a hotel at least 100 nights a year. You know, I was flying nonstop. And uh, so it took me two years to build out this course, like late nights. I mean, each, I mean, at that point, I was running 80-hour weeks for just work. So uh, after hours, oh, we had a baby too. After hours <laughs> in between, you Jeez. know, like just trying to build this out. So it took me two years. I finally built it out. And I remember after I built it out, I'm like, this is pretty good, pretty good. But I'm like, crap, what if nobody buys it? What if nobody buys it? What if I just wasted like two years of my life? That was a, the major realization, a worry I had. And I remember I um, I was like, screw it. Let's just, let's just launch it. I just launched it to a very small email list. Mm-hmm. Launched it. Uh, it was early 2019. Um, woke up overnight, made $2,000. Wow. And I was like, whoa. I could scale this. Yeah. I could scale this. But more importantly, I can really have an impact with this. And that was really, really cool for me. And at that point, I also, um, I didn't want to just quit my job and leave. Um, I also knew, there was a, I mean, there was a couple of things I had, had a timeout. I had a bunch of stock that I was going to invest because of my roles in, a bunch of equity yeah. I was going to invest in mid-July. I, I wanted to cash it. I wanted all of that. I had my Presence Club trip that I hit again for that year in August. I wanted to go to my free five-star, okay? Um, I also knew, we uh, because the company is such a great company, they were constantly performing, I knew we'd have another great earnings call and stock was skyrocket, so I wanted to cash out after that happened, right? So I wait for all those things to hit, hit first. So then mid-September, after all that happened, I really cashed out and turned in my two weeks and left. And I, I went all in my business. Wow. Right? And, and the whole time, though, I'm still... Building, the, I'm still building that program. I'm making it even better. I'm like doing one-on-one coaching. I'm doing all these things on the side as well as part of that business. Wow. I'm like, oh yeah, I could, I could scale this. And then I went all in, and you know, that was September, September 19 was my official first day of doing that. And uh, I went and uh, I went all in, and I've been doing it now for about 19 months, and it's been, it's been an incredible journey. I mean, there's ups and downs, just like anything else, but it's been amazing to be able to truly serve at a whole new level. Mm. And to be able to, you know, work with people all across the board and to help them from wherever they are. I'm mean, like, look, literally today, you know, I'm talking to someone, they're out in uh, Colombia. And I'm like, that's amazing. 
like you know I couldn't do that in my prior company right sometimes they're in Ireland or, or you know you know Ireland or the UK or wherever it's amazing to me to be able to to serve now so many more people and to have just an unlimited impact by by being able to do this it was scary yes uh great risk leads to great rewards as a result mm. man I the cool thing I like about that story obviously like everything in between it. But the cool thing I really like is that you kept using the word serve and impact yeah. and make a difference. It's like you weren't just saying, oh, the money, the money, the money. You're saying the impact, yeah. the impact, the impact. I think that's what makes great businesses at the end of the day. It's so true. Um, you know, I find, you know, early on when, you know, being young, being very poor, it was all about the money is what it seemed like. You get yeah. so focused on because it's like you, you don't, when you, when you feel like you can't survive, that's all you focus on. Mm. You're not focused on goals. You're focused on survival, right? But once you are able to consistently exceed it and be able to survive, you start going up, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And now you're like, you're able to focus on other things. And you also start realizing, you know, learning. Um, the truth is the more people you can impact and serve, the better your life going to be. You can be happier, right? You're going to be feel more fulfilled, and everything else is a side effect of that. Mm. You know, the money's a side effect from the amount of people you can serve and truly impact. And the more the better you can do it, the more the more you can the bigger problems you can solve and really help them with, the money's gonna come. The money's mm. gonna absolutely gonna come. But it starts with focusing on external, serving other people, helping them, helping them be the best version of them. You know, it's funny, so like people that want to join my programs, um, it's funny because i I jump on calls with every single one before I vet them that they apply to work, mm. work with me. And they're like, all, most of them are shocked. Like, I can't believe you're actually running this call. I'm like, it's so important to me. Station with you. Like, you cannot go to my site and buy, and just pay, just, just pay, pay me online. No, I got rid of that because I wanted to make sure I had a conversation, make sure they're actually a really good fit. Because mm -hmm. then I know they're going to actually truly execute and get results. And because I know once they get results, when they start becoming the best version of them and making the money they really truly deserve, their whole life changes. Hmm. They can be more fulfilled. They can serve more people. They can invest more. They can remove that stress. They can send their kids to private school. They can have their spouse quit their job if they want. They have freedom of choice. But it starts with understanding you got to serve first before you get to that point. Hmm. That's such a good point. You serve first before you get to that kind of dream point that you're looking for. That's right. Nice. That's right. That's awesome. I, I love that. And and I, I'm young as well. I mean, I'm trying to do that every day. And I, like you said, I mean, it's hard when you're first starting out because you're like, oh, the money, the money, the money. But that's just something that that's tried and true advice right there to serve first. Yeah. So let's dive in here. You have some awesome content on, on LinkedIn. Um, definitely want to encourage all the listeners out there to, to follow and connect with you. But um, Let's start with like first question here. You made an awesome video the other day about just ways to close a sales interview. Uh, so can you elaborate on that video you made? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, you, typically when people are, well, a lot of people don't realize is in the interview, is this a sales call? And ultimately, if you did a good job portraying your value and showing that you can solve their problem having open head count, you should close them at the very end, meaning you need to walk away knowing exactly where you stand and what's going to happen next. And the mistake many people make is they have the interview, maybe they have a couple of questions at the end they ask, and they say, oh, cool, what are next steps? And then and the recruiter is like, oh, you know, uh, we'll follow up with you, whatever. And then you go away and you're like, you're feeling good about yourself, but not really. 
because mm. you stand, but you tell yourself you're in a good spot. So you are smoking what I call the hopium. And hopium is very, very addictive because now you're attached to a maybe versus you go in for a very confident close. So after the interview is about to wrap up, they say, any more questions? You have no more questions. You have one last question I want to ask you. You say, hey, Chris, well, first off, thank you so much for, you know, for the time today. It meant a lot to me. Now, I can tell you right now, I'm 100% confident I'm the absolute best fit to work for your company in XYZ role. Based on my skills and experience, I know I will over-deliver. Do you have any questions, concerns that hold me being offered today? And you just wait. And you see what they say. Now, at that point, they're going to be forced to say something. Yeah. Don't say a single thing. They might say, oh, you know what? Um, we're not sure, you know, uh, Marcus, I'm not sure about. Hey, you know, I can appreciate that. Tell me a little more about that. Help me understand what's on your mind. Because that's really an objection, right? Mm -hmm. there's, there's something in their mind that you need to overcome. And that could be a limiting belief about you. It could be a, miscon a misconception. It could be they misinterpreted something you said earlier, but you don't know. That's that's the truth. So uncover what it is so you can overcome it. So for example, maybe if it was a sales a sales role that you're interviewing for, like, oh, well, you know, I see you've been an account executive, so I know you're good at closing and doing these type of things. I just saw you did an awesome close right now, but worried because it's a full cycle role and you need to go out there and get booked meetings and that's really hard hmm. at that point you have to now overcome it okay cool if i understand you right you feel very confident i can definitely close but you want to make sure i can have i can fill a big fat juicy pipeline with lots of booked means is that right yes it is beautiful now you overcome the objection. You explain why that's not an objection. You explain why it's not a reason to hold you back. You explain why you can still do it. You explain why, and you make sure it's no longer an objection. And then you go for that close again. And at that point, now it's, you want to make sure they know. Like, okay, no, you know what? No, we that makes perfect sense. I'm so glad you lied. I said, no, um, we have no other concerns. Beautiful. So uh, aside from yourself, is there anybody else that we need to, to, I need to meet with before you guys make me an offer? Nope, it's just me. Okay, cool. So is it safe to say you'll be making an offer later today? Yes, so we will be. Beautiful. Now you know exactly what it is. Or if they say no, actually, uh, you need to interview with my boss, mm -hmm. you know, John. Okay, perfect. How do we go about getting that set up? Well, I'm glad you asked. So uh, I'm actually, when we get done today, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to shoot an email to his assistant. Her name is Lisa. Lisa will let us know. And then I'll let you know we should have a book probably by the end of today or tomorrow. Cool? Beautiful. So now we know. If you, if, you want, if you want to get really good, you go, you know, cool, hey, what's important John? What does John look yeah. for in a, next, in, a, in a new hire? What's what's he scared about? What's what's he really want? So now you walk in and you get more intel, so you go and close John as well. So that's how you start positioning yourself as the obvious choice. And are those questions uncomfortable to ask? 100% they're uncomfortable. They're very uncomfortable. However, if you're able to execute them with confidence, not ego, but confidence cover those questions. And you can show you can run a good sales process. Not going to you close the interview that that day and also John's, you are now securing a great role. And that could be a six-figure contract per year, multi-six-figure if it's a really good one, or even higher. That's all you're really securing. You're securing a great future for yourself. Mm. Man, I love that approach because you're walking away, whether you have that offer or not, you're walking away with just 
a a yes or no answer, and it's no like That's kind it. of weird like common ground of like, are they going to give me an offer? Or are they not? Like, I hate the word maybe in, in totally. any sales thing. So I lo- I love that. Yeah, the best answer is a yes. Second best answer is a no. Right. We don't want maybes. Maybes are for babies. It's like when you're trying to go on a date with somebody and they say they're kind to you, but they're not really sure. They're not really responding to your texts. Yeah. Don't waste my time. Like you're like you're not gonna hurt my feelings. Yeah. Like I'm gonna move on because now you can focus your time and energy into winning other interviews now. Mm, yeah. And just same with the sales process. Like I, I I saw you mention that, and I was actually following up with a client. Uh, who was giving me the maybe. And I shot him an email. That yeah. subject line was yes, no, maybe. And I said, hey, let's go ahead and move forward right now right. and get out of this maybe game. And then he's like, mm-hmm. all right, sounds good. Like it was, I was like, wow. <laughs> Not everyone's going to happen like that. But I was like, man, that's it's, great advice. It, it's it's amazing, right? I mean, yeah. if, you, if you have a prospect or a client who's kind of on the fence, there's nothing wrong with giving them a call and say, hey, listen, you know, Hey, uh, you know, you know, yeah, you kind of the normal rapport. Hey, listen, um, I want to see actually, are you available Tuesday at one o'clock? Because I want to type a couple things with you, you know, because on, on Tuesday at one o'clock, my goal is at that day, you got to give me a yes, great, we'll move forward, or you can give me a no, which is totally fine. Just, just don't give me a maybe. Let's, let's have some progress from there. So, can we set up a time Tuesday at one o'clock where you give me a yes or a no? Is that fair? Cool, beautiful. <laughs> Book the meeting. Go and close them. That's it. This saves you that time. You know, and if they're kind of like, oh, well, I'm not sure. Well, hey, listen, here's the thing, Chris. I just don't want to be that person who's like pestering you like a mosquito. Like, I, I get that. So all I ask is at least when I come to that meeting, if it's not a yes and if it's not a no, we have really clear definitive next steps from that meeting and how we can progress to yes or no. Is that fair? Okay, that sounds good. Because at that point, maybe there's other people involved. We don't know. So again, you control. You have the ball in your hand. Now it's like, how far can we move down the field? And every single yard counts. Mm. Man, I like. And you're kind of sometimes you have to walk the customer into kind of that next step because sometimes they don't know. Correct. Um, oftentimes, because of how complex businesses have, have become, yeah. most of them don't have a true formal process for making a decision. So you have to help walk them there, and you have to help guide them there depending on what, whatever you offer and you, if you have not maybe created enough urgency you know or if there's not a, not not high, a high enough ROI or a COI cost of inaction then you have to be able to get them to move hmm, definitely um, so you're obviously like a high energy guy and you know I think that's important <laughs> <laughs> um, to be like successful what do you do on those days not motivated yeah so motivation is one of the things where you have to raise to create motivation. If I only took action on the days I felt good, I would get nothing done. And this is where I'm a firm believer, you have to train your mind to take action regardless of how you feel. And that means you have to create habits. Like when you have a really good habit in place, you should feel guilty when you don't do it if it's a good. So for example, if you get in the habit of working out every single day and then you don't work out, you should feel guilty. Right, you should feel guilty. So that that means it's working, and that's across the board. So uh, I have built-in specific habits that really keep me fired up and motivated, regardless of how I feel. So, for example, I am one of those guys who has like the, the wild morning routines. <laughs> it's nothing too crazy, but it is a morning routine. So, for example, uh, every day I wake up at five fifteen in the morning. Right, five fifteen, I wake up. I 
don't check my phone. I turn my alarm off. I go brush my teeth. I change, and I go and do a power 30-minute workout. So I'll do 360 to 480 reps of a, a targeted muscle group. And while I do that, I also listen to something that's going to teach me something, enlighten me, or get me fired up. It's so important. It's like <clears throat> like some people watch YouTube videos. I need to listen to something that's going to inspire me, right? So whether it's a book, whatever it's going to be. After that, I go, and then uh, I go, and I go downstairs to my home office here. I will actually uh, do Wim Hof breathing exercises for three minutes. Mm. After I do that, I will write out my one, three, and five-year goals. Mm. After I write those goals out, I will actually sit, and I will visualize for five minutes my perfect day a year from today, assuming I hit all my goals. And to be really specific, what I've actually done is I've actually written out my perfect day as a story. And I actually have narrated it into my phone as an audio voice memo. And I will listen to it as I visualize my perfect day a year from today, assuming I achieve all my goals. After that's done, I will go and I will visualize my upcoming day going exactly the way I expect it to go, perfectly, every single thing that I do. Then I go through affirmations, all right, for about five minutes. And then after all that is done, it takes about an hour and a half, I'm ready to rock. And then from there, actually, then from there, um, I do a little bit of extra cardio as well, but I'll go and um, uh, I'll post on social media. Then I'm, I'm, on, I'm on like LinkedIn for like the first 30 minutes. I'm on a, uh, a treadmill upstairs at a, I think it's a four inch incline, whatever it is, a four inch mm -hmm. incline at a four miles per hour. And I crank out an extra 5,000 steps before, uh, you know, I get, you know, take a shower and everything else. But then once that's done, boom, then I shower, change, I'm with a kiddo. But by doing that, it sets me up to be motivated because now by 6.30, 6.45 a.m., I have done probably more than most people will do before noon. And that fires me up and it gets me excited. So regardless of how I feel, even if the rest of the day goes to crap, I now at least feel good. I got my morning set. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you know, once the day ends, you know, once we do everything else, and I, spend, I do all these things with my family, eat dinner, whatever, I do my gratitude. So even if the day goes terrible and I'm, I'm feeling no, no motivation, the, again, that gratitude, again, that forces me to stop write down what I'm grateful for, and then go from there. And then from there, I have a whole nighttime routine where I'll also I'll meditate. I'll also like review my three and five-year goals, and I'll read a book, and then I go to sleep. So again, there's these things I put in place designed to train me to stay motivated because I can't rely on how I feel, so I need systems in place that helps me repeat how I want to feel. Mm. That's so cool. Oh, it's absolutely vital. What would you say your one word to describe your success has been? I always end on that one. Yeah, so um, I would say relentless is definitely probably a common word. Relentless <laughs> is a pretty common one. Um, when you are crystal clear on what you want to go after and what you want to do, you know that that drives you more, right? It's that passion that will push you no matter how you feel. Doesn't mean you don't have bad days. I have plenty of bad days just like anybody else. But when you have that focus and that clarity, then you become relentless towards that pursuit, right? You'll do whatever it takes. You'll you'll make mistakes. You'll fail. You'll take on more risk. But being relentless towards what I want to accomplish and not letting anybody else deter me from those goals has been massively important for my life. 
Mm, I love that. Relentless pursuit. Yes. That's exactly epic. right. That's epic. And so where can people connect with you and everything? Yeah, so super simple, right? Find me on, on LinkedIn. Pretty easy to find. The only has speedos in the tagline. Uh, you can also head to uh, sixfiguresalesacademy.com. That's sixfiguresalesacademy.com. There's free training, uh, bonus. You can access my blog there. Tons of free stuff to help people sell more if you're in B2B sales. Nice. Well, Marcus, man, appreciate you hopping on the Next Level Minds podcast. It was a blast. Absolute pleasure, man. Thanks so much. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks again for taking the time to tune in to another episode of Next Level Minds. Really appreciate the support. Be sure to check out Marcus Chan on LinkedIn. He's got some epic content out there. And as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success.